Welcome to The Meteor Podcast, a weekly news show about what's going on in the media community. This episode is for Thursday, February 26th, 2015. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace. They offer your Mongo databases. It's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. They offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Our next sponsor is Compose. They offer production-grade database hosting for all your Meteor apps. They have a great option called Elastic Deploy, which allows you to easily turn on the Oplog-enabled Mongo database that your application needs for scaling to large amounts of users. I use it for Crater and uh, any other production apps that I'm doing. I highly recommend it. You should check them out, compose.io. Not only do they do Mongo, but they also have Postgres and Redis and Rethink and all kinds of options. So again, check them out, compose.io. Welcome, Meteor fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my special guest host, Sashko. Hello. What's up? Welcome. Uh, so I'm here in San Francisco, and I thought I'd uh, grab Sashko, and we could talk about Meteor 1.1, which... Uh, should be coming out at some point in the next month or two, I would think. Yeah, hopefully pretty soon. Yeah, we're working on it. Nice. What's the big focus for 1.1? Yeah, so I think the two big focuses for 1.1, the biggest one will be Windows support, mm-hmm. which is really, really exciting, I think, for new users and for us that so we can get more users uh, using Meteor, but probably not super exciting for people who are using it on their Mac. Yeah. Um, for those people, we have the constraint solver coming out properly, probably, which is going to make running your app a lot faster if you have a lot of different package dependencies. Yeah. So it'll be able to more reliably calculate those faster. Yeah, David Greenspan is giving a big talk about that today during the dev shop. I love the name too. It was um, Mini, Minisat, right? Minisat, yeah. So Minisat, I think, is the name of the library we're using, which is like a generic constraint oh, okay. solver. So we take all the constraints you have from all the packages you installed and we pipe them into like industrial grade like C++ library that <laughs> like people use for like really hardcore things. Nice. Cause yeah, cause before we were trying to do like different heuristics, just some, some code that we wrote, but it turns out that you need like a real solution to get things mm-hmm. right. We're pretty much ahead of the curve on that as far as I can tell. In, in terms of like JavaScript package managers, because mm. all the other ones do multiple loading instead, which mm. means they just load both versions of the package. Right. But we're trying to keep it to single loading for now. Windows support, that's something that you and Intel have been working on pretty much exclusively? Yeah, so that's been the main project for, for me and Slava for a while, and um, Avi's joined us recently as well. Oh, okay. So yeah, there's been definitely a lot of challenges there. I think we didn't think it would take as long as it does, but. <laughs> There's a lot of unforeseen things where just like Node doesn't necessarily always do the right thing mm, on Windows. On Windows, yeah. yeah. So you have to like hack around those things. Yeah, like if you Google around and you're like, oh, how do I run Node.js on Windows? Like a lot of people are just like, don't, just don't do it. <laughs> no, don't do it. Yeah. So there's definitely been some hurdles to overcome. Mm, yeah, yeah. Slava was telling me apparently like 
there's a character limit on Windows, like you can only have 250 characters in a file path, and then it just like silently says that it copied a file or something, and then like it just doesn't work, and you don't. Yeah. Know. So it's some combination of like different APIs that we use, where like sometimes you just end up with a file missing, and like you find out when Node tries to require something, it's just not there. So that's actually a big problem for npm as well. I'm not sure if this is just for core packages or if we're going to do this for every package, but we have to do some things around trying to flatten the npm file structure a lot. It tends to create like super nested trees where like every package has dependencies and all those dependencies have their own dependencies. And that doesn't go well when you have a hard limit on your file path size. What other kinds of challenges have you guys like run into that kind of slow you down? I mean, there's all the like classic Windows things where like all the all your slashes are pointing in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. You know, for all the file paths, these backslashes instead of forward slashes. There's like some really intense things. Like for example, Windows doesn't have signals for communicating between processes. Mm, yeah. So we use that for reliably like shutting down MongoDB. We used to use that for like only refreshing the client when you only change like CSS or something. Yeah. So we had to rewrite that to use like a different mechanism on Windows because Windows just doesn't have that feature among other things like that. I know there's been some people that have been trying out like the developer range and all that kind of stuff. And one of the complaints I heard was that the, this was probably like a month ago, that Windows support was kind of slow. Is it something that's faster now or? I mean, we've been working on it like incrementally, like we have like different sub-projects of the project, basically. So before then, we didn't work on performance at all. We were just working on getting things to run. Now, yeah, we spend a little time like optimizing performance, and it's about like 10 times faster based on people's reports on the GitHub issues. So it's now like in the same realm of speed as the normal distribution on Linux. Nice. nice. Yeah, the biggest problem was that there's another thing that Windows doesn't have the capability to make symlinks between files. So you kind of can, but you have to be an administrator on your computer, and like we can't require people to have that. Yeah, so before we were just copying a bunch of files instead of symlinking, but then we like did some other hacky thing. So now we copy a lot less files, so it's a lot faster, or a lot faster. Nice, okay. Yeah, it's, it's just been like a wild ride of, think about all of the ways that an operating system can be different, and like they're all true. <laughs> yeah, I mean like going, you know, Linux, Unix, Mac, like they're just all kind of the same under the hood, but. Windows is so different. I feel like you don't really see it as a consumer. Like I really like using Windows personally. Like before I started working here, I actually used Windows primarily. Mm -hmm. But when you want to develop any kind of software for it, you really feel that they're like, like they've had to maintain backwards compatibility across like however many twenty years at this point or something. Mm -hmm. And so like everything is just like super 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 old or has like a million special cases from yeah. like the. File path limit, like they could have just decided at some point and just make like files infinitely long, like that's what Linux did as far as I know. But they didn't because like then all really old programs would break that like depended on that limit somehow. <laughs> um, so hopefully, you know, Meteor won't run into the same problem. Like we need to be able to change things yeah. without being shackled to like something 20 years old. In all honesty, you, you spent like probably a month getting into work and then like four months on edge cases because of Windows weirdness. <laughs> yeah, something like that. There's a big thing which is, for a lot of people, this is gonna be their first impression of Meteor. And we don't want people to try running it and then 
have it be just like broken in some stupid mm-hmm. way and then just like never look at it again. So yeah. that's why we want to be really careful about yeah, just yeah. having everything working well. That's right. I mean that's definitely the the meteor way. Like I was talking to someone earlier today and you know we we were talking about some people in the community get a little frustrated that maybe updates don't come out fast enough, but I said the meteor way is like the meticulous way, you know, like you guys really put out a quality release every time something new comes out and like it shows and it's, it's worth taking the time. I think so. Yeah. I think that's the goal. Like a lot of the times um, we really look to the community to pick up the slack on mm-hmm. like, cause I think there's, there's a lot of packages in the community that, like they really work for things, mm-hmm. but they might like they work for like 80% of people or something. Like maybe there's some feature that they don't have, but like it's okay because you know, like when you look at a package that you're about to use, you like check like what things it does, what things it doesn't do. But I think it's a little different like when we release something that's like official, because mm-hmm. then people expect like a whole other level of like, you know, if there's like some small thing that's broken about it, you know, we're gonna have like a bunch of GitHub issues about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. We have to maintain it basically forever. So we wanna like get it right the first time so people can really trust things that we release. Nice. The GitHub issues, uh, I heard something interesting. You guys have a tool that you build, right? To like yeah. manage issues now? That's true. Um, yeah, I think at some point we're probably gonna make it uh, maybe public so that people can see what we're doing on there. Awesome. But yeah, the point is like, GitHub is a great place to keep information because mm-hmm. everyone can see it, but it's not always the best place to like manage that information. Mm. Like you've got a dashboard and it says like, uh, you know, this ticket is the oldest ticket and the last response was not from MDG or something like that, right? We can't always fix all the issues immediately, but we want to make sure that we start doing a better job of replying to things. Mm. So that's been a big concern for David Glasser. He's always, he has like at the front of his mind, it's always like how we can communicate better with the community. So yeah, so we want to at least like be aware of all the issues and respond to them. And we might not be able to fix everything at once, but at least we're like trying. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I'm I'm glad to see like <laughs> I had an issue from May of 2013. It was my my first uh, Meteor app, and um, I dropped in like a four gig file, and it broke Meteor because like it, That's fine. it's not using streaming. It was too big to load into memory all at once. I, for the longest time, that thing was just out there. I forgot about it. It was dead. And then, like, all of a sudden, probably a month ago, like, Glasser responded and, like, categorized it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's that's awesome. I'm glad you guys are, like, really making that effort. Yeah, I really wish there were more tools out there for open source projects, like, especially, like, at least at our scale. And we're, like, not even that big compared to some other ones that are out there. Oh, I totally agree. Like, I'm honestly in awe of, like, Sasha and Chris Mather because the amount of like volume of email that they get just from like issues yeah. flooding into their open source projects, it's it's just staggering to me. Like I was doing accounts entry for a long time and even then, like, you know, I, I would have an hour or two to spare a week on it and you know, I felt like I spent a lot of that time just kind of managing issues, not really writing code or something. Yeah, it's like, I bet it's a lot harder if it's not like your full-time job <laughs> to do it. Um, that definitely helps a little bit. I think it's not worth to get up to time, really, because probably like 99% of people using it are not doing something like that. Mm, yeah. But then for that like 1% or 10% or whatever, there's a few tools popping up. Like I've started using this thing called ZenHub a little bit, which is like basically lets you categorize your issues in kind of like a Trello type board mm. format. 
So that's been cool. But even that doesn't work very well when you have like 3,000 issues or like whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have a lot. Yeah, so definitely. No, it's awesome. I'm glad you guys are are making that effort. So uh, the other interesting thing that's going to drop in 1.1 is uh, some of the template subscription stuff, right? That's yeah. Uh, yeah, that actually might even be sooner. It might be like 1.0.4 or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really want to get that out as soon as possible because I, I have a blog post waiting on that because nice. I wrote one like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And it mentions that stuff, but I can't really like post it unless it's released. So yeah, and I, I love the the medium post you did, just kind of saying like this is coming. Like that was that's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, I really want to do more of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think we could we could definitely have more like communication in both directions. Yes. Um, yeah, for sure. You come on the podcast. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also really really excited about the new forum thing oh. we just launched yesterday. Yeah, big news. Um, I guess I guess that is like the one piece of big news, right? Forums.media.com. Yeah, well, it remains to be seen like exactly how that will interact with things like Creator.io. <clears throat> like um, I guess there's like a Gitter chat room that mm. people can chat about stuff. There's also Stack Overflow for questions. So we'll see like where it settles, like what stuff people post there. But in any case, it's a lot better than the mailing list. <laughs> That's for sure. The spam list, yes. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Like I switched to the daily digest on that thing like probably I don't know, six, eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And even then, like I sometimes don't even read it just because I know half of it's gonna be spam. Yeah, I just have like a deep distrust of mailing lists because um, like I graduated from MIT pretty recently and they use mailing lists for everything. Like every club has like 10 mailing lists, you know, like for every topic, like people just make mailing lists for like their friend group. So you get like a thousand emails, like an hour. So I just, I just don't want emails. Like just get get all the emails away from me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like I I had a six hour layover and it's like, was crazy because I had 750 emails in my inbox and I got it down to like 40. Oh my God. But now I'm like pruning the crap out of all my subscriptions. It's like, I'm not gonna read this. So it's like gone out of my inbox now. So. Yeah, so the more the more I can put in places that are my email inbox, the better. So something interesting already happened today, like with the forums, um, someone said, hey, like I wanna do more like quality video stuff, but I'd love your recommendations. And they actually like, they uh, tagged Chris and I, and then Chris Mather and I, and oh, cool. I haven't actually paid attention to the forums today, but uh, because he tagged me, it did come into my inbox, and then I, I went and responded to that. So I guess you could like CC someone in an email, but it's not really the same. Yeah, yeah no, that'll be great. Well, and I think you know, that. with the mailing list, they might not know. Like I publish my email address everywhere that I, I can, so people can reach me, but that doesn't mean that they're gonna find it either. So. Yeah, it'd be great. I think uh, Discourse has some sort of functionality around like listing like really active users so people can maybe like discover some of the people who are active in the community. They have just like a boatload of features. Like every like every time I go on there, I discover like some new button, nice. this some new stuff. Uh, I want to see the well the commenting as a threaded thing. I haven't figured out if you can do that yet. Yeah, it's a little it's interesting. Like you reply to an individual comment, but mm-hmm. then it also goes to the bottom of the stream. Yeah. Which is um, weird to me. Yeah, the other the other thing that I'm not exactly sure about is the there's no really like uploading mechanism. Mm. Like it's all just like a chronological list. Yeah. Which is like no worse than the mailing list used to be, but it's also like I'm a big fan of Reddit. Mm-hmm. My ideal world would be just like we delete everything and just use the meteor subreddit all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's not what happened. But 
Uh, let's do one. Yeah, I stopped like spamming all the creator stuff. There. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just like people who are like employees of MG don't use that Reddit that much. Mm, yeah. um, Slava and I like it, but yeah, but there hasn't been that much activity. Yeah, yeah. Probably the fewer social networks we have, the better, just so we can like. I don't have to go to like 10 different websites mm. to see what's going on. Yeah. That would be really great. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like already I have to like, you know, go to like my two different email addresses, like my GitHub notifications, <laughs> like all that stuff. Very true. Very true. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Like that covered most of what's coming up. Cool. So how often do you do these podcasts? Like once a week? Yeah, once a week. Uh, usually it's Ryan and I. And we, uh, someone suggested I just rename it to the Creator Podcast because we, we talk about like top stories on Creator. Oh, cool. News cool. and that kind of thing. Uh, but EK and Avatar did a guest episode. They sent us a clip and we put that out as well. Oh, great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was the last time we had some fun. I just posted a thing on the forum like an hour ago asking people like what kinds of things they're interested in having screencasts or mm. blog posts about. So yeah. I get some response there and I'll maybe do some stuff with that. That's awesome. That's really cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah.